Hey guys, Eric from Working Dog Radio. I want to talk to you about one of my favorites, and that is Dogtra. I've been using Dogtra collars for a long time, way before they became a sponsor of the podcast. It's the Police Canine Association. We've been using them, and that's all we use. Uh, we've been vendors for a while now, but we've been users of Dogtra collars way before we became vendors. At my kennel, I have a drawer full of them. I have the 1900S e collars, and I got a bunch of 600 bark collars. I like it nice and quiet. My kennel and those bark collars work perfectly. But Dogtra is not just sitting back doing nothing. They're out there uh, innovative designs, coming up with new stuff. And in May, they launched three new products. All right. They uh, sent them to Ted and I, and we get to test them. I cannot wait. This is the coolest part of my job here. Now I want to talk to you about the one that I'm going to try, and that's the Pathfinder. It's a GPS tracking and training collar where no cellular is required. There's free detailed satellite and terrain views from Google Maps, along with an offline maps mode. Easy location sharing for dogs and dog owners. History playback on your smartphone and computer. And custom alerts for dog actions using pop-ups, sound, and vibration. I have two brand new dogs in my kennel. I just started introducing them tracking a couple days ago and i can't wait to get them out and get longer and try these things out bird dog guys trial dog guys these things are perfect for you guys um check them out man they're not waiting on us they got them out there because they are proven with their stuff give them a call 888-811-9111 dogtra we all know the importance of having a good decoy for maintaining patrol and sport dogs that's why i want to talk to you about Clint Morton, the North Texas Working Decoy, which is where you can find him on Facebook. Clint is an APPDA and NADF certified decoy, and he works in USPCA and trains in PSA as well. Clint's excellent at problem solving for patrol and sport dogs. Hit him up at camo, C-A-M-O, at E-C-T-I-S-P dot net, or hit him up on Facebook, North Texas Working Decoy. Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street Craziest fucker that you ever see Yeah, I'm a crazy motherfucker walking up your street Welcome to Working Dog Radio <laughs> Broadcasting the Bite Yeah, it's Ted. We're back in Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bike. I am Ted Summers, uh, Working Dog Radio, Torchlight, and Working Dog Dry Goods. With me, as always, is Eric Stanbro from Van S Canine. Eric, what's up? Um, hey, Ted. Uh, you know, plugging away. We're um, I, I took a bunch of time off at the police department because I got some dogs in my kennel that I need to work up. And um, so I'm working on that. I've decided to add some pet obedience and pet boarding and stuff onto the business just another another revenue stream i've i've made a lot of people other people a lot of money and um just trying to you know expand on that going forward in the future i only got a couple years left at the pd so uh you know we've talked a lot about that with other folks about how you know the police the the police canine world makes up about three percent of the dog training in this country so um i'm just you know, letting money slip through my fingers. And I think I have something to offer. So I'm looking for buildings, looking to expand, get a bigger, get bigger place. So 
I took off from vacation and I've been busier than when I was at work. So other than that, it's uh, ski season here at the lake I live at. So we're doing that and the allergies are kicking my ass, man. Really? Yeah, it's uh, thankfully we've got we skipped spring mm-hmm. uh, in Oklahoma. We uh, we went straight to summer, so everything's dead. So the allergies mm-hmm. haven't been as bad, but everything's burned up already. It's like 115 degrees of the heat index today. Those three dogs we got in from Europe, you know, we got they're not that old. They're like 18 months old. So when we when they got here, it was already hot and well, not like this hot, but. You know, they're from Holland, so the hottest I'd ever seen was like 60 degrees or something, and they almost fucking melted. And we've had to start doing bite work and tracking at like 6 in the morning because I get to about 11, and the big fluffy one who I call Fuzzy or Fozzie because he looks like Fozzie Bear. I don't know what his actual name is. Um, But he'll do like one run on the popper and then just kind of look at me and have the ball in his mouth, and he's like, all right, dude, I'm ready. (laughs) Let's go back to the kennel. Let me sit under the mister. So... Uh, it is the season for sure. But other than that, uh, Scott's on vacation this week. So, uh, it's me and Jamie and, uh, Josh is at, uh, my decoy. Josh is, uh, at the college or the collegiate national championship, like rodeo thing. And he's like a, he's a calf roper. And so he's putting himself through college and he's ranked, I don't know, like top. he's ranked really high and he's apparently really good i don't don't know i just mess with dogs all day he's it's super Mm -hmm. impressive but he's up in cheyenne Cheyenne, wyoming at the uh collegiate national championship so that's cool hopefully he does well i I saw that he did well but yeah so today we're doing another installment of the ladies of canine series uh today we have dana brown on uh dana how are you good how are you I'm doing well. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background, uh, how you got into canine, what you've been doing, and we'll kind of take it from there. Um, so, uh, God, I originally got into canine, the dog world. Let me just throw that at you. When I was nine, I actually did some AKC confirmation showing all the way until I think it was like 16 or 17. So that was my first start. Um, then I... Uh, that I was going into the Marine Corps and I wanted to be canine there. So I did that. Went to canine school in 1995. Um, and I've been going strong ever since. Awesome. So um, you were in the Marines or you're in the Marines, I guess, or you were. Um, so mm-hmm. how, where, when did that start with the canine side and how did that get going? Um, so back in 95, Four ninety-five time frame, canine was not big at the time. It was it was really really small. Uh, obviously, I'm a female, so um, that that was even harder to get into that. Being a female, there's a lot of things that just weren't open to us. Um, so I kind of got laughed at when when I said, "Hey, I want to be canine." I told them I wanted to be SRT too, which is SWAT. They laughed at me for that too, so <laughs> I was kind of used to it. But um, huh. the uh, the opportunity to be on SRT came up first. For some reason, the lieutenant in charge of them, I, I guess I impressed him somehow. He was always testing me in one way, shape, or form, and I guess I passed all those tests. So he gave me the opportunity to go through the in-doc. Um, it was a week long back then. This is back when, you know, people didn't get their feelings hurt all the time. So um, it was pretty rough. It was a good time, probably one of the better times in my life. Uh, from that, a canine swap became available. Um, and he had this, this was way back before tactical canine was even a thing. 
um, he had that in his brain for the Marine Corps that, hey, this is what I, this is what I see. I see integrating dogs in the stack, blah, blah, blah. So he sent me to canine school with that thought process in mind. So very advanced for 1995 in the Marine Corps. Um, by the time I got back from canine school, he had PCS to another duty station. So that never became a reality for me. However, I was a dog handler. I just didn't get to do the two together. Um, so we uh, had a pretty small kennel. It was very basic back then. Um, you know, it really wasn't until I got out of the Marine Corps and realized that there's a whole other canine world out there, like mm. you guys, and there's so many other bigger, better ways to do things. I know that sounds strange. We think the military should be the, the, you know, the best at everything, but that's really not the case. But uh, yeah, so I did that for a while and became a trainer, kennel master. I don't know. I just went up and did it all. It really is, is my true passion. I just love it. At the time you're doing the kennel master stuff, how many kennels were there? Um, well, there's one at every duty station or every base the station that you. Um, so you were the regional kennel master in Iraq for uh, which task force? Task force MP. Yep. Yeah. So yes, I was. When was that? And talk about that a little bit. That was 2006 into 2007. Um, so we. Um, we had 87 dog teams uh, with joint forces, but we had you know, some Army guys, some Navy guys, um, and obviously Marines. Um, we had, I had basically op operational control over all of them except for two, basically. Um, one of them was with recon and one was with the SEALs. Um, and I had to choose those two positions uh, when we were, when we were getting there. So, you know, I knew I wouldn't, I'd see them when we got there and when we left, and, and that was about it. But everybody else, they came back. They did reset training. Um, you know, they had to kind of abide by the units that were using them, had to kind of abide by our training schedules that we set up for them, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, so that, um, that was a good time. That, that was, was a, really a pretty time. busy time then in those years over there. It was. It was. I was also the senior ranking female MP in in that area at that time. So um, once the regimental combat teams got word of that, I kind of got the opportunity to do a lot of things I really wasn't supposed to do. That <laughs> was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, did some direct threat raids, helo insertions, and uh, I got to live out uh, in uh, Hoklania with the... Um, Marines out there, the grunts for like 10 days. That was crazy. I, I told my dad when I got back, cause he was, he was in the Marine Corps in Vietnam. I said, you know, I was born the wrong gender because I should have gone in and been a grunt. Cause that's, that's like the true Marine Corps. That was amazing to see them. It was incredible to watch them. They just, they just, they are, they just operate. They're, they don't have somebody telling them what to do. It's just, it was amazing to, to witness in their true element. Now, back then, was it um, what was the percentage of of bomb detection versus you know looking for people like on raids and different things like that? Um, so the army had the specialized search dogs first, right? So they had those dogs that 
um, could go out like 1500 meters or whatever, and, and they could, you know, respond way out there and this whole thing, they were away from the handlers. Um, that's, that's something I never got an opportunity to do. And honestly, it blew my mind thinking about in a brain of a dog, how that even worked. You know, how is that dog getting rewarded? You know, the whole nine yards until I saw it and actually saw it work. Then we also had the combat tracking dogs. So the idea behind that was that, you know, the, the specialized search dogs would go out and find whatever the device was. And then the combat trackers would track whoever the person who planted that was, wherever that person was. So they would go however long it took and they would find these people. So um, we had uh, several of those out there at that time. And I, there was other staff and CEOs that were in charge of them. Um, Seth Arnbissom at the time, great guy. He was in charge of them. Um, so I got to kind of, that's the first experience I ever had working with them. Um, but there were not, I want to say maybe like 16 or 18 of them. Uh, there's another guy, Pearson, Seth on Pearson. He was out there. The two of them kind of ran them. And uh, that was my first experience with them. But they were impressive. That was, it was pretty awesome. So the, the, the combat tracking dogs, you know, they didn't bite them when they found them. There were, you know, beach woods and things like that. So uh, it was really impressive to see that work. Yeah, that's, uh, that, I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting over time how the uh, military working dogs overseas have evolved and all the different things that they've been involved in. Most people don't know about the, um, the combat tracking dogs and they don't know, they just think, you know, maybe route clearances and things like that or, or you know, uh, helo entries and hitting a house and, you, you know, send the dog in. But there's so many different things they're used for. And um, I'm, I'm sure they've tried to come up with machines and everything that have that have tried to to outdo it, and it's always been a waste of money because dogs, in the end, end up being the best option. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, so we had a lot of a lot of different things that we did. I actually brought a drug dog with me. Believe it or not, I had mm -hmm. one female that had a drug dog. So I had one team, um, and they were there for the uh, TCNs and, and the contractors, well, they're contractors, there's a really big drug problem. So at that time, they started bringing drug dogs over. <laughs> so we had that, um, but we only had one on all sides. Um, you know, a, a big mission was going out with the uh, quick reaction force. So whenever different... Uh, units would be out there and they'd be on convoys doing whatever they do. You know, my husband, he was over there. He was airborne infantry and they did a lot of uh, route clearances for um, the third country nationals to drive these ginormous convoys through. And they were constantly finding IDs and having to wait for EOD and QRF to get out there and blow them up and so on and so forth. And they'd be stuck on the side of the road for hours. So um, that was a huge mission for us. Um, you know, on all side, we had the airstrip there, so we had to go through all the luggage. And so there's a lot of different moving parts. It's not just, you know, what the high speed stuff, too. You know, of mm -hmm. course, that was the most fun, but. Well, back then, what was it? What was like the dog rotation like? Like, how long would a dog go? Um, would he stay with the handler the whole rotation? Or were they popping in and out? Were you having to retrain different guys with different dogs and different girls with different dogs? How'd that whole system so work it was, um, 
for, for, for military working dogs specifically, mm-hmm. you know, because we also had those, um, that, that Lisa Albuquerque lady that said, Hey, I can give you all these, these dogs and I can train them up in three weeks and send them over there. And you just give them to an infantry guy, infantry detector dogs or whatever she called them. So we had a bunch of those too, but they weren't attached to us. They were not really military working dogs. They were just kind of like the beginning of contract working dogs, I guess. Back in that day, that was a straight mess. But we had to do some validation with that. Um, the assistant kennel master went over and he did a lot of that. So I never got to do that. So we had them. So they were rotating through infantry units and would just get paired with a regular infantry man, but with not a handler. So there was a bunch of those rotating around different places. Um, but for us specifically, military working dogs specifically, um, in the Marine Corps, it was six months at a time. So every three months, you know, they were staggered. So six months, three months down the road, another one would come out. So pretty much every three months, there was new ones coming in and new ones going out, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So then, yeah, that does. Then yeah. then are you then kind of getting them, I don't know what you want to call it, country-oriented? Did they come see you when they get there? Is it you the first stop? So, nope. So the Calmaster, each, each rotation has a Calmaster with them. So oh, okay. they alternate. So there's one kennel master and one assistant kennel master. So they're, uh, kennel master and assistant kennel master are with each whip. So when I went over, there was already, my assistant kennel master had already been there for three months when I got there. And then when he left, another assistant kennel master came over. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. we, were, we were staggered. Yep, yep. So no, when we got there, we got there together. Um, and put everything together. So we did, you know, we had to mm-hmm. get everybody oriented and acclimated and get everybody to the different fobs where they were going. And yeah, so it was, it was a pretty big movement, you know, especially we had, when my, at, at that time, I had 39 dog teams that we all went together from one place. Normally they take them and send half from the East Coast and half from the West Coast. Back in this time, the mess weren't stood up with their own dogs like they are now. So they took uh, dog teams. We were individually augmented from bases and stations. We were not like combat military police canine handlers like they have now. We were just regular garrison um, canine handlers. So, you know, I left from Quantico, which is, you know, right next to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was all just onesies and twosies from all the different bases and stations. So um, when you're over there... So we had 39. Were, were you working a dog or there was just no chance for that? No, I was not. So I was in charge of all 87 teams. Mm-hmm. So um, I came with 39 and the other whatever that is from 87 was already there. Oh, okay. Every Everybody who's in charge of you know, kennel masters and in charge of units can recall that we've talked to can recall a couple of dogs from the time they were over there that really stood out and really did some things and impressed them. And it's just those couple dogs. They remember their name and they remember what they do. Is there anything like that that stands out for you? Well, um, definitely my time was a little different because, um, I had, uh, Corporal Dustin Lee was over there. He was my handler, and his military dog was Lex. 
Um, and he was one of the ones that I chose for those two special missions. So he was with recon um, and he was killed. Um, so more than anything in the world, just because of how profoundly he's impacted my life and my family's life. Um, I remember him above all anything else regarding Iraq. Um, so yeah, you know, he's, uh, he's the reason for, for so much that has happened in my life. So, uh, he's been pretty much life changing by him by far, just above anything else. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. You um, actually, that's what's going on now with him, with his mom, and with you, correct? With um, mm-hmm. yeah. So between that starting though, you came back to the U.S. and you then went to excess or well, extra training to become a master trainer with Virginia Canine Guys, correct? Yes. So when I first got back, I actually got hurt over there. Uh, talking about a helicopter and stuff. So when I came back, I, I had like a shit ton of surgeries. It was like at least one major surgery a year. So I, you know, for, I got out December 2010 and it was just surgery after surgery. Um, you know, I had like eight hip repairs. They tried to repair my hip. Um, and, you know, I, I was supposed to, I had orders to go to the kennel master at Miramar. That was like my twilight tour. That was the one place I wanted to go my entire career. And uh, they were like, yeah, no, it's not going to work. They did the first two surgeries on both of my hips while I was still active. And they said, yeah, no, it's not going to work. It's it's not good. Uh, So then I got out and had, I guess I had seven, six more repairs on my right hip. And then they finally replaced it two years ago. And I had two reconstructed shoulder surgeries. So I was just, it was surgery after surgery after surgery. And then, um, you know, there was a, a local person in my town. We moved to Florida. Uh, local person in my town that was training dogs. And I was like, how have I not heard about you? You know? Um, and I don't know, this is probably bad to say, but this isn't recorded. I guess you can edit it. Mm. It was like, I was a crack whore that hadn't had a hit in like five years and got my first hit. We'll probably do <laughs> that. Like, holy shit. I'm not cutting it out. So. <laughs> crack whore. That's a first on our Working Dog Radio, crack one. <laughs> I, I probably said that at some point. <laughs> well, I'm glad to help out. You know, anything I can do for you guys, let me know. Anyway, so it, it just hit me like that. You know, like I just had my first hit. So I was like, all right, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. So, you know, I just started getting back into things. And um, while I was in Quantico, I did a lot of work. Um, of course, so because we did those individual, individual augments from stations to stations, I had a bunch of Marines that didn't know what the hell to do in combat. What the hell do we know about going to combat? I mean, yes, we're Marines. Yes, we're basic warfighters and all that. But the entire time that we had spent in the fleet, we were guarding bases and stations, right? We weren't doing combat stuff. So, um, and we didn't have any intel at that time. So my first dog team that went over, uh, uh, Corporal Palvino and um, Santo, badass dog. You can Google him. He was badass. 126 pounds Czechoslovakian shepherd. Jesus. Badass dog. Um, so they were the first team to go over. So he was giving me, uh, back then we had the SipperNet with the classified emails and all that, and he was giving me all this intel. So I was constantly reaching out 
to every resource I could in the natu- national capital region to, to train my guys. You know, I would, I would try and, and, and stimulate the best I could, whatever, all this information that I was getting so I could prepare these guys the best I could possibly do. Um, and we had a great time doing it at the same time. But so we trained a lot. We trained with the Secret Service and the Pentagon, uh, canine guys. We trained uh, with Ryan Arrington. He's with uh, – He's, he's actually the president of the Virginia Police Canine Association. So he's my, he's my mentor. He's the uh, senior master trainer with them. So once I started getting back into things, I was like, you know, I, I want to get back into the police canine world because that's just, that's, this is just my passion, especially bomb detection. And, um, you know, so naturally he and I were great friends. We were kind of equals back in the day. And I went to him and, and he said, you know, you don't have any really legal authority. You've got all the experience in the world. But what happens if you, you know, go train Joe Schmo canine handler or something and he goes and gets some crackhead off the street who gets O.J. Simpson's really shady attorney and, you know, goes to court and it comes back with your name, you know, what do you have, really? So I'm, I'm a big what if anyway. So that got me thinking. And uh, so it just made sense for me. We were living in Florida, so I, have to, I had to leave my family several times. But I went back and I did an uh, uh, apprenticeship with him. I had to pay big money to do it and uh, go back. And so now I'm a certified police canine trainer through the Virginia Police Canine Association, which is a national organization. And they're really hard as shit. Um, I, some days I wonder why I chose that. No, I'm just kidding, Brian, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> They're very, very strict. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're big on, on winning court cases and the whole nine yards. So, um, so I did that, and you know, it, it's like no joke. You know, it's, he, you don't just, he won't just take anybody. And you know, I, I've been working with him for damn near 20 years, and I'm still not to his level to even be considered like, okay, yeah, you're ready. Let's start testing you for master trainers. You know, not even close. I have to go through like different boards, like oral boards and all these different people. And I have, it's, it's a lot of stuff to do along with like training so many dogs and this and the other. So I'm producing results and it's a lot of work, but I love it. It's, it is what it is. And like I said, I'm a what if, or so I'm going to make sure, you know, the people that I put out on the streets, myself, my family, I'm going to make sure that they protect it all the way around. So. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to get to, get into the legal battles with all that crap. So, no, so, it's an actual, so it's actually a master trainer's title that is not giving out. It, you, you really got to earn this. <laughs> Imagine uh, that. <laughs> I was going to say that. But, uh, I was uh, just, you know, uh, I'm glad somebody else said it. So you know, I don't have to be that guy. Yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> I've never met, I've never met Mark Wynn. I'm sure you guys have, but I haven't. Um, and I remember the first time he and I spoke on Facebook, he was like basically alluding to that, you know, because that's the big thing out there. You can go anywhere and just, oh, I'm a freaking police canine trainer now or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Just because I, I came to your 16th course, this is it. And um, I was like, you know, the conversation basically ended with me saying, you know, I'm not, I'm, I am like a, a knowledge, I don't know what's. Like, I'm like a sponge. Like, I want to learn so much from everybody. Now, of course, if somebody is trying to tell me something that's straight up bullshit, and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm going to call you out. I mean, come on. There's like 
some bozos out there. Okay. But there are some, I've met some amazing people like Jason Davis. Have you guys ever met him from Karma Canine in Jacksonville? I haven't met Jason, but he's one of my favorite people. Fucking Backstreet Jason. Yes. He is fantastic. I'm telling you, he's fucking brilliant. He is brilliant. And I've seen you work too, Ted. You're brilliant. But I mean, I see Jason all the time. We spend a lot of time together. He's actually, you know, having a new hit. You don't really realize it until you have one, which I hope none of you ever have this happen to you. But it's like you got to relearn everything. It's like I got, oh, shit, I got to move this leg this way now. I gotta, it's retarded, but it's true. You have to, so he's helped me get back in and start. I, I've actually been doing legs with some of his friends, ring, ring dogs and shit. Like, I didn't think I was going to be doing that, but he is such a great teacher. He's a very great, just, he's, he's awesome. I love him. So, and he's never a day in his life been a cop. He's never been in the military. But you know what? I would use him as a decoy before I would use so many others. He's fantastic. So I've learned a ton from him. Of course, you know, um, Cody is now like the big famous person in our industry. And he was one of my handlers from back in the day. And, and I've learned so much from him. Um, it doesn't matter. It's like Desiree. She was never a canine handler, but I cannot wait to see her again soon. So that way I can do some deep play work with her and learn from her. I love to learn from people. So, you know, Mark in my conversation was basically like, you know, I'm not ready to really go out there and do this. Like you guys are, Ted, like you guys are, are putting out all these dogs. And I just don't feel like I'm ready yet. And a lot of times people are like, what are you not ready for? What do you need? What more do you need? You've got the experience. You've got the knowledge. You've got the training. You're putting out dogs already. So what is the problem? I don't know. Maybe if it's just, who knows? I don't know. I just like to take my time. I like to get my ducks in a row. I like to make sure that everything kind of falls into place as it should. That's just me, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you'll you'll really find out the agencies, they don't give a shit about that. They want a dog out in six weeks. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, know. And, and, you know. I know. And, and you know, and, and the thing about it that's interesting is, you know, I've said this before in here. I haven't said it in a while, but, you know, my partner, Scott, um, is real good about like managing timelines with people and they call and they're like, when's the dog done? When's the dog done? When's the dog done? Blah, 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 right? You know, we paid you this day. When's the dog going to be done? And Scott is like Mr. Fucking Zen all the time. You know, he's an old seven special forces group guy, Green Beret, just, you know, that kind of guy. And he's super quiet and he just answers. He's like, Oh, the dog will be done when it's done. And sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. And then, you know, they ask me and I give them some kind of crazy response like, oh, well, he still needs this, 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 and this, and this. And, you know, we haven't been able to track because, you know, we've been out of town or the weather's st- something, right? And Scott's like, he's done when he's done. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, okay. So <laughs> like, maybe, and, maybe I need a Scott in my life. <laughs> yeah, Scott, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, yeah, he, that that's like Eric said, you know. I mean, it's always rush, rush, rush. So, I mean, when I started doing this, I wasn't ready either. And to like even now, like I've got a dog now that he tradition like how I would traditionally train a detection dog. This dog just does not want to be trained that way. And rather than because he's got a shitload of drive, he just doesn't want to like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to deal with the ball popper. You know, there's and he's like super visual. So there's some things about him that are kind of quirky, like getting him to hunt and everything else. And instead of washing him. You know, I'm like, fuck, I can't wash this dog, so I got to find out a way, you know. So, I, I mean, I have to problem solve. And, you know, I think one of the things that you guys in the military are, are 
blessed with, or I don't know if you want to look at it that way, but you guys get like badass dogs. And if they suck, you just wash them. It's no big deal, right? You got like 400 more in the wings, and they're like, no. okay, well. well no, that's so not the case. <laughs> no, what the hell is that shit? I have so it was. This <laughs> is this is uh, one of my friends that was a trainer for one of the special operations unit. Was like he got out and he's like, I'm gonna yeah, train but dogs they're now. Different. Well, I know they're different, but I mean, he's like, he <laughs> he's like, I need some dice dogs. Yeah. So I ordered him five dogs, and he they he and so the dogs show up and they're super nice. But he's looking for like six months, and he was like, Where did you find these? I'm like, same place they all come from, Europe. And he was like, well, I, did, I just used to go to the airport in Atlanta, and they would just show up. And I'm like, that's because somebody, some kennel master, went to fucking Europe for you, and they found you badass dogs, and all you had to do was pick them up. He's like, dude, I had no idea. I thought they were all like this. I'm like, no, they're not, dude. So no. Let me tell you how it happened. Let me tell you how it happened. So there was a team in Lackland, right, who would go overseas, and they would procure, like, 500 dogs a year for all of the branches, not just the Marine Corps, right? So all the branches. They would go over, and they would do that. And then they would take these dogs back to Lackland and they would, you know, they ran them through tests over there or whatever. And then they would put them through their initial training or whatever. For, I think they had like so many days to do, you know, basic patrol shit and so many days, which, you know, I don't know if any of that's changed. You see like 57 days back in the day, so many days for detections. They'd run them through those and then they'd ship them out. So we would get dogs that were supposedly trained, which they really weren't trained, depends on who supposedly trained them while they were over there. It didn't matter what you got. I mean, I'm not even joking. I had a patrol-trained dog that was standing a gate with a Marine, and the Marine got the shit beat out of him while the dog was hiding behind him. This was a dog that I was like, this dog cannot be patrol-trained. They're like, nope, it's patrol-trained. Here it is. I'm like, you're freaking shitting me. Oh, yeah. But he passed certification, though. It would give us whatever though. shit that they had. He passed certification, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. So it should, all right. I, yeah, that didn't last very long once I got there. That dog did not stay certified, I'll tell you that. But they would give us whatever shit, and they're like, here it is. Make what you can of it. Yes. That was one of the biggest things. When I started doing this on my own, I did not know how to select dogs. I didn't because I'd never done it before. So I really had to learn. And then, oh, building puppies, a whole other thing. So when I just had this litter that turned out to be freaking rock stars and they're all, like, killing it, it's amazing. I'm, I'm still amazed that I produced that. But I didn't know how to do that. So I'm, I'm telling you, Jason Davis, brilliant. I learned so much from that guy. Incredible. Um, he helped me build these puppies. Uh, he and Cody came and they tested this litter. Um, I just picked everybody's brain, but I didn't know shit about that because we just got given these dogs. Didn't matter how good or how bad they were. And they're like, make something of them. So that's what we did. But the people that you work with, they, they can, yeah, they get all the special shit apparently. <laughs> so uh, as it should be right. For the stuff they're doing. <laughs> yep. Let me, uh, we're going to take a break real quick for like a couple of seconds uh, and, you know, make sure the storage is up on this thing. And then uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about Tandem Canine, about what you got moving forward and go from there. All right. Perfect. Let's take a second and talk about Dogtra. Astute trainers with proper training tools are the key to unleashing any dog's potential. For over 30 years, Dogtra has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-leading tools in e-collar training, GPS tracking, and boss training to support dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. One of the ways they do that is superior technology, ergonomics, design, and durability. They have gradual and precise stimulation control via their patented 127-level rheostat dial, so you have a minimal jump in stimulations 
They have trusted durability and reliability. I use them every day at the kennel and have for years. Works all the time, every time. Weatherproof, waterproof, and pretty much idiot-proof. They're, speaking of which, is intuitive and innovative. There's no fuss, no hassle. When you hear Eric talking about making sure the handlers know exactly where the remote is and it's a no-look use, this is exactly what he's talking about. Hit him up at doctor.com. Let me hop in here and talk about our one of our sponsors for the podcast, Southern Coast Canine, based out in New Smyrna, Florida. Southern Coast Canine has been providing better training, better results, and better dogs for over 25 years. Led by Bill Heiser and known for their excellent high-drive dual-purpose and detection dogs and outstanding customer service. They have what you want and what you are looking for. Call 1-877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647 and speak with Bill and to discuss your canine needs today. Or visit southerncoastcanine.com. That's the letter K, the number 9. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at southerncoastcanine, the letter K, the number 9. Tripwire Operations Group. We're first responders dedicated to first responders. We believe the most highly trained create a safer America. We prepare military and first responders to protect our country by providing products, training, services, and relationships that together no one else provides. Tripwire provides virtually every type of explosive product currently manufactured. We also produce our very own binary explosive, TexPack. Tripwire provides military and law enforcement training, consulting, canine advanced training, and firearm sales and training. Folks, Ryan and the boys over at Tripwire are true badasses in the industry. Go check them out at www.tripwireops.org. That's tripwireops.org. All right, we're back with Dana Brown, Marine Handler. Uh, and now you're sort of you're working on your certified master trainer status, which actually means something to the organization we're talking about. And mm-hmm. you are moving forward. Um, so you get out of the Marines, and what's going on now? Um, so once I got back into to doing dog stuff, um, I started looking around at what was out there. You know, who, who's training these dogs? Like, what's happening around my area in the United States as a whole? Um, and I was kind of mortified at what was out there. On the civilian side, uh, just, with, you know, Fido and Fifi and, and what people, you know, I'm reading these things that people are saying that they're, they're dog trainers and, I was mortified and with her charging people. It was just a mess. So I, that kind of kept playing in my brain. And all of a sudden one day it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I really what happened is I looked outside my window and I saw this magnolia tree and um, back, I told you, uh, Corporal Justin Lee was my handler. So um, I brought him, I brought his dog home. His family requested his dog be there for the funeral. So I, I left Iraq with Lex, went to the funeral in Mississippi and met the family. Um, and it was probably the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Um, uh, I had a lot of guilt, you know, because I put him in that position. Um, he was, I, I selected him to be with Recon, which was where he ultimately was when he got killed. So I, that, that was really hard for me to look his mom in the eyes and, you know, knowing that I, Pay to play part in the death of her son. So um, I really became part of that family. Just, they just embraced me like, like that's how things were supposed to be. So I went back. Um, that was in April. 
I went back in May for Memorial Day celebration, and they took me to the grave site. And that, of course, I hadn't been there since the funeral, and it was covered in dirt. It was just this mound of dirt. Of course, Mississippi in May, so that's just par for the course. But it, I, I could not handle it. I literally lost it. So we went to Dustin's grandfather's house. They had these huge magnolia trees, and I took all these blooms, literally filled a truck bed up with them, and covered the entire mound of dirt with magnolia. So that has always signified that's been like my tree for Dustin. So I looked out and saw this tree and it hit me like a ton of bricks that I needed to call his mother. So one day I called his mom and I kind of talked to her about what was going on and that I was thinking about starting this business. And, you know, she was crying and I didn't really understand what was going on, but she said, you know, this, she told me at that time that she had talked to Dustin right before he um, was killed. And I think it was like four days prior. And he was talking about the fact that he wanted to, uh, he wanted to go to Lackland and be a trainer first, and then he wanted to get out and he wanted to train dogs for civilians, but for the regular person and help them, the regular communities and police stuff. He also, there were three states that he wanted to move to. One of them was Florida, which neither of us were from Florida, so that was weird. Um, he wanted to have horses, and we had horses. So all of these weird things that, you know, everything just kind of connected. It, it, the, when she was telling me things, it was almost like you couldn't, no matter if you're a religious person or not, you couldn't deny that there was something going on here. It was really uncanny. Um, so, you know, we just continued to talk and, and uh, she said she wanted to be a part of this because she just felt really, really compelled to, that this is what should be happening. So kind of took off from there, Tandem. We didn't know what to name it. Um, Tandem was actually the name of a singing uh, group that he had in his church. Dustin was a very, very religious man. Um, so that's where Tan and Canine came from, which is, you know, perfect. We kind of have our slogan, two working together as one, which is a dog and a handler, but it's also Dustin and myself. So it's kind of neat. Um, it's, uh, that's how that, that happened. It's really, I, I say it's divine intervention. Like I said, I don't care if you're religious or not. It's the, the way this happened, it was like it puts goosebumps all over you. Um, so they have been, the whole family has been a part of this every step of the way. Of course, they don't live here, so I do everything. What was your partner's name? Scott? Yes. Is that what his name is? Yeah, I don't have a yeah. Scott. I do everything on my own, which is kind of, um, I think that's a lot of why I am very slow and hesitate to do a lot of things too, because it is just me. You know, I do have my husband, but, um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's how Tandem Canine came about and has been an incredible honor to, to pretty much carry on Dustin's legacy. That's really what I feel this is. This is his dream and I carry it on every day and I'm so honored to do it. And, uh, you know, I did go back. I wanted to go back to school. I, wa I wanted to do it right. You know, I wanted to make sure that everything was done right um, to honor him as well in this. So, so the plan in the future here is full service? Yeah, so um, I, I am capable to do full service. I don't have, I have a, a small facility in Florida, in North Florida, uh, north of Jacksonville and Hilliard, Florida. Um, I train a lot of different places to go do detection or, or tracking or whatever. Um, I've already been doing that. I've been building some dogs. Uh, I work with uh, the Nassau County Sheriff's Department local to me. Um, I have not gone out and pimped myself out to any other departments because I'm just, 
you know, I'm more of the person that people are going to hear about me and they're going to be like, hey, I want to go work with you rather than I'm going to knock on the door and be like, hey, I'm Dana Brown. This is what I can do for you. You know, and that's just not me. Um, you know, and, and the whole female aspect, too. It's when I first worked with Nassau County, this is hilarious. You're, you're going to laugh. But so, I mean, Ted, you've seen me. I'm, I'm not this, like a, a some people think marine females are, are going to look like, you know, I don't look like that. Um, and I, I was in shorts and a tank top with my hair down and flip-flops and I'd gone, it was just after the hit conference in Jacksonville, Florida. And that's when I first met that department and they asked me to come out and do some training with them and they wanted me to run it. And I was like, all right, listen, if I'm going to run detection training, I'm going to let you know, you know, if some things are jacked up, but I'm not just going to leave it with that. You know, I'm going to tell you why and tell you to fix it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this is probably one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because it really was an eye-opener. But I, it's truly a female thing. I totally get it. Um, so there's this one senior handler there. Um, he's got a really good job. They had a lot of bad habits. They, uh, they didn't really have a trainer. Like um, their sergeant, uh, great guy. He hasn't handled a dog in a really, really long time. So you know how it is in a lot of departments. It's just whoever the most senior canine person is going to be the trainer. And he's got to set it all up and know how to do everything. Um, so we set it up and, and I said, you know, hey, this is how I want to run this, blah, blah, blah. And they kept looking at the sergeant. He's like, I don't know why you're looking at me. You know, I thought she was going to run the problem. So he came in and he didn't run it. And I was like, no, 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 bring it out. Come back, bring your dog out, come back in and I'll tell you how to do it again because this is totally the opposite of what we just talked about. And so we looked at him again, and he's like, why do you keep looking at me? So he goes out, he comes in, we talk about it, goes out again, comes back in, still does it the same way. And I was like, what is the problem? You know, and he's like, can you do it better? And hands me the leash. I've never freaking seen this dog before, and I, you know, I've been through probably seven surgeries at this time. I hadn't handled the dog in five years. I took this dog, hair down, no hair tie, flip-flops on and everything, and worked that dog like I'd worked it every day for the six years that had been alive. And uh, everybody was like, holy shit, that just happened. And, you know, from that point on, it was great. Everything was great. And I don't know if that happens to you guys. It happens to me a lot. Um, I'll be heading over to Iraq in a couple of weeks, and I already know it's going to happen again. We get tested. Everybody, they want to test you. I personally think a lot of that is a female thing. Um, Amanda Cauldron, have you met her? <clears throat> Not in person, but I know she is. Okay, so she's like dwarf size. She's adorable. She's like really tiny, but she is fierce. Let me tell you what. I was not certain how my dogs were going to respond to her because not only is she a female, but she's tiny. That girl, you know, she totally proves to anybody that will ever work with her that she's fierce. Like she knows what she's doing. Um, I just, you know, I, I think that, uh, I don't know, it's inspiring. You know, speaking of which, that leads into the perfect uh, way to ask this question. So <clears throat> you got into canine... In a canine is very male dominated anyway. The Marines is also oh, yeah. not exactly um, <clears throat> Girl Scout camp. So, what advice? There's no such thing you, anymore, really. You know, <laughs> Scout camp anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just whatever camp. Um, what uh, fuck? We're probably have to cut that out. So, what advice do you have to females, either in the military or law enforcement, that? want to get into canine or want to get into specialized um, either jobs or units? So I think the biggest advice is that, um, well, first of all, you've got to 
you have to be able to walk the walk. You can't just talk the talk and be another pretty face. And I know in a lot of places you can, but you can't. Um, you have got to actually get out there and do it. And, you know, it, that's the big reason why I'm getting back in better than I ever was before in the DK world, because it doesn't matter all the surgeries that I've had and everything. If I can't do it, how can you expect, I can teach it all day long, but I really need to be able to, to do it as well to show you've got to be able to get out there and do it. Um, I think that um, finding, there's a lot of snakes in this friggin' industry. A lot. There's a lot of people that just either want uh, to use you for whatever they can get out of you or use your name or just badmouth you because for some reason you intimidate them, whatever. But find someone that you can connect with that's willing to take you on to train with you um, that you can trust and, and learn from and uh, kind of blaze your own path. Everybody take what you want from all the different people that you work with, build your own style uh, and go from there. But, uh, you know, and, and Desiree, she's a prime example. You know, she was never a canine handler. And granted, she's, you know, dating one of the most, the biggest decoys out there right now, arguably, but I guess I, I don't even think you guys would argue that. He really is. Um, so she kind of had an end to the world, but the girl is fearless. I mean, in, in, in all the videos I've seen of her, she really just wants to, to be the best she can at this. And she was never even in this world a day at all. And she has embraced it and really taken the proper steps. And, and she's a great inspiration for those that maybe want to get into this field and really don't know how. A lot of times, yeah, it is who you know to get that initial step, but um, really just soaking up knowledge from, from people who, who have the, the experience and, and the background to, to give it to you. Um, I don't know. I think I'm a little bit uh, harder than most people maybe because of my background. Um, it's just kind of like just go do it, quit bitching about it. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, very, that's a very marine thing to say, though. <laughs> I mean, just go get shit done. I mean, like, and yeah. I mean, that's how Scott is, too. Like, Scott's like, I don't really care. Just go fucking do it. I'm like, okay. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's sort of how we do it. So you're going to Iraq, like, what, next or soon? I don't know. Depending on when this airs, you're going soon. Is it still a shithole? You know, <laughs> it's really weird. Apparently, where I'm going, I have... Iraqi dog handlers, oh, and oh, I'm going to be in charge of them, which is oh, totally freaking against yeah. everything I remember from 0607. So that'll be um, interesting. I have we better have you back on when you I get know. back, so you can tell us how that went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, chances are I will be gone for. I'm on a particular contract that if I can stay out of the country for more than 330 days, or I I can, you know, reap some benefits. Apparently. So uh, I, I probably will be gone for a year. Well, wow. I know. So while you're gone, Crazy. Though, what's happening with Tandem Canine while you're gone? So I'm going to be, for the clients that I have now, uh, I'll be doing um, video conference sessions um, from Iraq. I'll be setting those up and coming out with information on that very, very shortly. Um, my husband is, he does a lot of my decoy work 
Um, he's going to be, we do expect to repeat the breeding that we just had. Um, so that will be next year we're looking at for that. Um, my husband will be doing that. He'll be building those dogs. Um, and he still carries on uh, a lot of the protection bite work stuff for me. As far as the detection, tracking, things like that, um, I have Jason Davis with Karma Canine. I have uh, Cindy from Noble Beast Dog Training in Savannah. She's taking care of some of my civilian clients. Uh, Chuck and Tammy Pipkin over in uh, Foundation First Canine in Jacksonville. They're doing a lot of the detection stuff. Um, so I'm kind of sending people out to people that I trust, local to me, um, in my absence. So I've, I've got kind of a team of people helping out. Um, we've also been involved with um, the pipeline leak detection guys in uh, Sorrento, Florida. Yeah. So we send some, some people, some dogs down that way. They're awesome people. Um, so I've, I've kind of got a team of people helping. You know, when I come back, uh, they're, they're actually, this, this uh, company that I'll be working with is trying to get me into some more management positions. Uh, me being the person that I am. Um, I actually, the contract I was supposed to go on was the highest canine position and the highest paying canine position in the entire contract. Um, oh, and nice. then the Department of State, yeah, that was that was really nice. That was I, I was loving those dollar signs. But, uh, you know, I'd have been the top of the top of the top. The Department of State came down and they said, yeah, no, you guys have been dicking around with this contract. And we'll see, we're probably going to have to edit that too anyway you've been messing around with this contract for too long so we're gonna um we're, we're just getting with getting rid of it all together which kind of sucks for me but you know i'm one of those people like everything happens for a reason so um, i really think that it was supposed to happen that way because i know so much but the one thing i don't know is the contract world so if i stepped into that world at the very very top i would have been expected to know everything about everything so i'm kind of glad i'm going in as i am um but i don't know how long this will because they really want me to be in one of those top positions. So um, if I do that, I'll be back every three months. Uh, so, you know, then I'll be, have a little bit more flexibility. But the plan is when I come back, whether I do a year or two years, I will get my uh, full training facility up and running so I can run my own police canine courses, um, start to finish everything, patrol, detection, tracking, you name it. I'll be able to do it all. Um, that is my plan for the future. That's awesome. great. So in the interim, the Karma Canine is not going away. And speaking of which, so no. where can we find Karma Canine, Facebook, Instagram? Or, I'm sorry, not Karma. I just thinking of fucking Backstreet Boy Jason, his fucking blonde hair and his no suit. What is his deal with wearing tank tops? Jason, I know you hear this. Why do you wear tank what tops? What is it with you and him? Why do you have such a thing with him in his arm? You're the only person that makes such a don't let we him gotta fool get you. you guys together. That'd be hilarious. Don't, uh, don't let him fool you. He loves me. So, where can we find um, <laughs> Tandem Canine on <laughs> social media and on web on interwebs? So, uh, Facebook is where I post the most. I started to get into this Instagram, Twitter thing, but I'm not great at it. But it's Tandem Canine on both of those. Tandem Canine Inc. on Facebook. Uh, website is just tandemcanine.com. Um, letter K number nine. Um, I will have a lot more time when I'm over there to keep those things updated as I should. I'm not the best at that. Um, 
like I said, I do everything myself, all the training, all the, all the everything. I do it all. So it gets right. kind of difficult at times. Don't believe but, me, um, Eric. Eric and I know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I can only imagine. Oh yeah, and we have imagine. Alicia to help too. But still, it's uh, it's still a lot. So yeah, yeah. Well, Dana, speaking this of been... Alicia, well, yeah. I, I I saw a picture of my collar for Deacon. I'm so excited! I can't wait to get it in finally. <laughs> uh, it's it. Uh, I sealed it yesterday, so it's gonna be or I like. Yeah, it's gonna be shipped out tomorrow. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this has been an awesome interview. Um, I, we super appreciate it. Um, when you get back, or while you're over there, I mean, you'll have Skype, so you can do a Skype interview over there. Because it'll be interesting to hear about yeah. um, Iraqi handlers. So, as an American and South African, and it's, oh yeah, I mean. uh, yeah, I have a uh, I have a junior trainer under me. I think it's I have a trainer under me. I don't know, and he's South African. Oh, that's so cool. I have South African trainers and handlers as well. I'm kind of excited. I really am. Excellent. Well, yeah, we yep. really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, we will definitely be checking you out and following you. Right on. Awesome. Well, thank Good you luck, guys. Dana. I love all that you're doing. I, <laughs> I, I, I learn a lot from all these uh, interviews you guys do. I love it. Me too. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so do I. So, <laughs> right on. We, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All thank right. You. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Big thanks to Arno at ALM, ALM K9Equipment.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. Hit Arno up at A-R-N-O at ALMSuit.com. First-time visitors to a site use discount code WDRADIO to receive 10% off your new tug or suit. Working Dog Radio is edited and co-produced by Dustin Wright at Bracket Designs. Be sure to hit him up at BracketDesigns.com for any branding or content-related work you have. We were graciously granted permission to use this rad music by Brother Deeg. Go buy him a beer at Brother Deeg, spelled D-E-G-E dot blogspot dot com, spelled D-E-G-E, or hit him up on iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby, or any other music streaming stores. Check the show notes for links to both of these creative geniuses.